Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. And now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 7, called The Supreme Principles for Life. That which proceeds out of a man is that which defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart, proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. See, the issue here is the mouth reveals the heart. And when I talk to somebody about their language, I like to just say something like this. Your mouth reflects where your heart is. Now, I think as Christians, the good news is that our mouths have changed. And the reason your mouth changes is because your heart's changing. So there's good news here. Maybe you had an anger problem in the past. Maybe filthy words flew out of your mouth. Maybe it was easy for you to turn something said into a sexual innuendo, but maybe that's very distant from you now. Or maybe it's a lot less. That means that you're making progress. And here's the solution. It's found in verse 4. Instead of doing all that nonsense, which is not fitting, why don't you give thanks instead? Why don't you be thankful for what you have? Live with a sense of urgency. Thankfulness is the expression of an unselfish heart that treasures the forgiveness that we've been given, the wife that we've been given, the kids that we've been given, the job that we've been given, the car that we have, the home that we have. And you have, have you ever noticed that you can get into a mode as a person where you're thinking, man, you turn everything negative. And you're like, wait a minute, what, what's happened to me? But the Bible says instead of that, we should have uh, joyful hearts. We should have thankful hearts. Proverbs 17.22 says, a joyful heart is good medicine but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. Jesus says, blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. There are certain things that I laugh about and I enjoy having fun. And there are certain things that I don't think are very funny. And I'm not going to laugh at it. And if someone is, is, you know, oh, have you ever noticed you got a reputation at the office? And then, and you walk in and, oh, well, I, uh, I'll tell you later. <laughs> good. Good. It's good. You may not feel good. Oh, I come in the room and, yeah, I'm the party pooper. I, yeah. It's okay. You know what you stopped? They're coarse jesting. It's all right. Maybe, the, maybe they'll start thinking about their soul. Amen? Amen? But I don't think as a Christian you should be this total downer person either. You know, you walk in, everybody get lined up. Yeah, here he is. Inspection time. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't be like that. Be joyful. Don't be afraid to laugh, but, but don't laugh at morons. Have you ever gone back 
here, here's a good illustration. I've gone back and watched movies that I thought were funny from years and years ago when I was an unbeliever. <laughs> and I remembered specific scenes and I thought, this is a funny movie. And then we went back and replayed it after being Christians for a while and we're like, <gasps> hiding the kid. <laughs> right? Turn it off. Click. Forgot about those scenes. Wow. Right? Or how about a comedian that you used to enjoy? Have you noticed that the comedians can't seem to do very well unless they bring that stuff in? But when you find someone who's actually funny and clean, you're like, this is refreshing. And they're out there. Right? But, but there's this trend in the world. It's all they got. See, the world is not the physical universe per se. It's the world system. That's what the world is. It's the way of doing things. Now, Paul says in verse 5, for this you know, and it sounds like he had taught this to them before, with what? With certainty. That no immoral person, no immoral or impure person, or covetous man, speaks of one who's greedy, who is an idolater. Ultimately, all of this stuff is idolatry has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Um, The theme of much of Ephesians 1, 11, 14, 18 has been the inheritance that we have as believers. The NIV says, for of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And all God's people said? Ouch. We have to be careful when we look at verses like this because this does not mean that a Christian cannot slip. Let's face it. How many Christians have fallen to sexual sin? How many pastors have fallen to sexual sin? Probably more than we we would care to talk about. There, There are people, all of us included, none of us are above falling. I think John Stott puts it well. He says, we must be cautious in our application of this severe statement. It should not be understood as teaching that a single immoral thought, word, or deed is enough to disqualify us from heaven. Otherwise, which of us would ever qualify for admission? For those who fall into such sins through weakness... Uh, through weakness, but afterwards repent in shame and humility, there is forgiveness. The immoral person described here is one who has turned to this way of life without shame and without penitence, close quote. What Stott is saying, I think, is important. He's not saying that Christians are not going to struggle with sexual sin because we're in church tonight, but we're going to be real. We live in the world. We're going to be tempted. It's going to be a struggle sometimes. Okay, But here's the issue. If someone is going to live in open rebellion to God without feeling any sense of conviction and, and basically saying, I'm going to live the way I want, I don't care what the Bible says, and I have no intention in turning away from that sin, then Paul says, then you are not going to heaven. You can be sure of this. And another way to say it is, you're not a believer. Now, all believers struggle with sin. There's no doubt about it. And we have seasons when we're, we're growing and, and sometimes we have dry seasons as believers where it seems like sin intensifies. Have you guys with me on this one? Seems like there's, there's times of smooth sailing in your Christian life and then there's other times when it's so intense you're like, what is going on? I feel like I'm getting you know, it from every angle. 
there is spiritual warfare. The devil does try to get a foothold. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. They are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and these things and things like these of which I forewarn you just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I think as Bible teachers and as Christians we have to be careful that we don't tell people uh, try to reassure people who shouldn't be reassured. If I know somebody personally who's struggling with a certain sin and they're going through a tough time, I'm not here to condemn anybody. But I'm not going to tell somebody who's an open rebellion sin to God and has no intention of repentance, oh, you're fine, grace will cover you, you're cool, because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible actually warns us that if you're an open rebellion continuous sin with no intention of repentance, you better look at your heart. I, don't, I believe in eternal security, but not eternal presumption. You know what I'm saying? So if someone is in a, in a lifestyle that we know is outside of what the Bible teaches, we can't give them some sort of false security. That's not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible actually is saying is that your lifestyle, your language, your heart, your life will ultimately reflect where you belong. 1 John 3.9, literal translation says, He that is born of God does not practice sin habitually, for his, God's seed, remains in him. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're just about done. 1 Corinthians 6, look at verse 9. It says these words, Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, the Corinthians had all kinds of problems. They were taking each other to court, suing each other. They, were, they had sin in the church. They weren't dealing with it. And Paul says, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. And if we stop there, we might leave with a bummer attitude. But Paul says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. And then he goes on to say, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. And then Paul will go on to talk about sexual sin in that context too. So you can see the point he's making. He's saying, look, I would, I would say to you that you should be known as the person who formally was involved in this. Now that doesn't mean you can't have a slip up. That doesn't mean you're not going to struggle. If someone has a proclivity, let's go back to Ephesians 5, towards a weakness in an area of their life be it drugs, be it sexual sin, be it gossip, be it uh, temptations to steal, and so forth. It doesn't mean that after becoming a Christian, all those uh, inclinations just go away. They don't. But they can be controlled by the new man. And it's all about which dog you feed the most. There was an Indian chief that got saved, and he became a Christian, moved away from the New Age stuff and 
They said, what's the Christian life like? And he said, I feel like I have two dogs inside of me and they're constantly fighting. Somebody said, well, which dog wins? And he said, the one I feed the most. That's the way it is. Whatever you feed the most is going to win. If you starve sin, it loses power. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And they're constantly fighting. Somebody said, well, which dog wins? And he said, the one I feed the most. That's the way it is. Whatever you feed the most is going to win. If you starve sin... It loses power. If you feed it, it gains power. That's the way it works. So if you're struggling with a sin right now, maybe you're in a season of dryness, the best thing to do, this is very important, is dive into the deep end of closeness to God. John MacArthur was asked, but what if I'm tired of reading the Bible? What if I just don't feel like reading? What if I just want to put it on the shelf for a while? Then MacArthur said, then that's probably an indication that that's the time you need it the most. We've all had those moments. You know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna turn it off or I don't want to hear. It. And you know, you know, and then you realize as a Christian, wait a minute, this is not the way things should be. I'm gonna turn on the oldies, man. I'm going to sports radio. Right? And then it doesn't take long before you feel this conviction on you. I want to speak to you. So you get in your car, you turn on the station, you feel a little dry. What's the sermon about? The exact thing that you needed to hear. Because your father loves you. He doesn't want to leave you hanging out there, you know. No, God wants to help us. That's why Jesus is there for us. And so he says, let no one, Ephesians 5, 6, deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. If if someone comes, and, and this is our culture too, everybody's going to heaven in our culture. You guys know that, right? Everybody's going to heaven. When they have funerals for people who die outside of Christ, they always say, oh, they're looking, old Charlie's looking down on us. It's fine. Do you guys remember the old sports Cubs uh, announcer, Harry Carey? He sounded like he was drunk when he was doing Cubs games. 
And I think he was. <laughs> but anyway, that's Cobbs went Cobbs. And so he'd sing the seventh inning stretch. Take me out. Right? They loved that. He's got they, their picture there. He's pictured in the stadium. But he died. So his son, who I think is also a broadcaster, was being interviewed on sports radio. And oh, they're all, hell, you know, Harry, great, yeah. He's probably looking down at us right now. I'm thinking, and you know what his son said on sports radio after his dad died? He may be looking up at us. What? Oh, that's unheard of. What do you mean? You don't say stuff like that about people. Everybody's looking down. Everybody's good. We're fine. We're good. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that there are certain people who do things in their life that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, would to God that we told people the truth so that we don't give some false hope when somebody's sitting at a funeral service. Now, I'm not talking... Look... There's such a thing as tact, right? You know, your buddy here, let me tell you something. You guys hear? <laughs> there's a story. There's a story about these two brothers. They lived in this England town. Uh, so, so they were just known to be these terrible guys, ripping off everybody dastardly in their business deals and everything. And so one of the brothers dies. So the other brother goes to a local pastor. He says, look, pastor, we got to hold the service somewhere for my brother. And, and uh, look, I'll give you $100,000 to do the funeral service on one condition. Pastor's like, what? What's the condition? That you say that my brother was a saint. So pastor thinks for a minute. Okay, I'll do it. So the, the church doesn't have a lot of people because, you know, there's... Not a lot of fans of this guy, but anyway. So the pastor steps up to the pulpit, $100,000 promised to him, brother's sitting there, you know, people. And he, he says, let me tell you, this guy in the casket was one of the worst people you could ever meet. Cheated in business, dastardly individual, scum of the earth, you know, just goes down this list, just berating him. But he says, but next to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> Thank you for the $100,000. That is a clever pastor. And so Paul concludes, Therefore, do not be partakers with them. And so it is important for us to know that what we should be partaking in are the things that will really last. It's a struggle. Galatians 5 tells us we have a struggle between the two natures. The flesh struggles against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. The two are contrary one to another, and sometimes you don't do what you want to do. But I think as believers, we realize that when those times come, we say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. And you know what? We're already forgiven in Jesus Christ. It's not like we have to be re-forgiven. But confession is good for us because when we sin against God as believers, it, it hurts our fellowship. I'll give you one final example. I've been married to my beautiful bride for uh, 23 years. We're married, but our relationship some days is better than others. That shouldn't shock any of you, by the way. But, but the closeness of our relationship in terms of our day-to-day life, whether we are very, very close, and we have a very good marriage, one that I celebrate every day, or whether it's a little bit more distant. 
doesn't change the fact that we're married. If one of us is having a bad hair day and we're a little bit more distant, we're still married. But when we, we go through something and we make it right as husband and wife and we move forward by forgiving each other and trying to understand each other, what is reinstituted is our closeness. See, it affects fellowship. As a believer, you're sealed for the day of redemption. You're not going to lose your salvation because you make mistakes, but your fellowship gets distant. And when you confess your sin and make it right with God, the fellowship is restored. So I don't want you leaving here tonight going, oh, geez, if I blow it. you know, That's not what this is about. But I think as a believer, we realize... And, and sometimes, you know, hopefully you're getting to the point in your life where you're catching yourself before you make the mistake now, right? So you're, you're about to walk down that road that you've walked down 2,500 times, right? I think it'll be different this time. I think it will be. Same dead ends down there, same brick walls, same warning lights, everything. I just know it'll be different this time. It'll end differently. So you're about to take the 2,501st trip down uh, devastation lane. There you go. And you go, you know what? Wait a minute. Before I walk down this, I'm going to just take a look at the end of the road and see where this ends for me. So every time I've done this, the last 2,500 times, here's what happens. I feel guilt, shame. I have a big bump on my head. I got to restore this, make this right. I got to go through groveling, this and this and this. And then finally, two years later, no, just kidding, <laughs> Right? I get back to where I want to be. You know, you know, maybe, just maybe, I won't go down that road tonight. And in those moments when you're struggling with wanting to sin, you might do something like this. Bring God into it. It'll be very inconvenient because your flesh doesn't like that. Your flesh would prefer that you don't bring God into it at this moment. Okay? Leave God out of this. <laughs> this is between you and me. But the moment that you bring God into it, you know what happens? All of a sudden, sin loses its power. And you say, Father, help me. It's not, you're not hiding anything from God anyway. You might as well bring, it in, bring him into it because he already knows what you're going through. You say, Father, I am struggling. Help me. And you know what? God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with a temptation, he'll provide what? A way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You've been listening to The Supreme Principles for Life, part three on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 7. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Pastor Michael would like you to mark your calendar for August 22nd for our next 633 event. Our 633 apologetic events are free for you to attend, both in person and through our live stream. And we open the floor so you can ask questions too. So if you have not seen one of our 633 events, you can always watch previous ones on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, the supreme principle for life is love. It's God's love moving through you saturating you, being poured out through your heart, in your heart, and through your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of God in a submitted life. The more you submit, the more it's going to come out. It's the supreme uh, test, if you will. It's the way people will know we belong to Jesus, our love. 
for God, our love one for another. Well, speaking of loving one another, one of the great ways to express that is in corporate worship. I have the privilege of pastoring a church along with several other incredible pastors here in Southern California. It's in Corona, California called Living Truth Christian Fellowship. On Sunday mornings, we do two services, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We have a youth group that meets at the 10.30 a.m. service. We have a whole uh, Sunday school program from childcare all the way up. And uh, we'd love for you to join us. Hey, if you've been out of church for a while, you've been looking for a church, you appreciate the uh, teaching style you hear on Walk in Truth, well, you can come to the church where you hear these messages. Uh, They've been recorded from the pulpit ministry here. And the church is at 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona, Living Truth Christian Fellowship, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. Probably the easiest way to get driving directions is walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab, walkintruth.com. Hey, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to see you at one of these services. God bless you. Have a great weekend. And if you're in a part of the country or SoCal or Northern California where you can't come, go to church, man. Be part of the church. Don't just go, but get plugged in and serve the Lord. God bless you. And we'll see you here next time. And one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God. Hey, if you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. You can visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us on Monday for Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14, about how to shine or walk as children of light. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, have a great weekend, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.